Morning, fam. We uh, everybody. Hope everybody had a uh, had a great week and whatnot, and ready to start off start off this fresh one. Hoping that this uh, this word will be able to uh, get you get you charged and get you right for uh, for this week. So we're going to um, first off uh, last week last week was it uh was it a blessing to us? The, this this conversation that that we're that we've uh, started and have opened up concerning um, concerning stewarding the blessing uh, we we've coined it humble pie I didn't have any kind of creative juices flowing as far as the title's concerned so we're just gonna go with part two with 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 that so uh, humble pie part two is um, you know the the name of today if you're type A personality in your notes and you need something. To keep it in order, it'll just be uh, just be part two. But uh, but last week we uh, we opened uh, up that that can so to speak in talking about uh, how how the Lord uh, directs and uses situations and, and the different things that He sets up uh, as as testers. Uh, remember we were talking out of Deuteronomy eight, uh, the children of Israel, how uh, God intentionally let them be hungry. He intentionally led them through situations, and it was to only to, to humble and to test and to find out what was really on the inside of them. Because if they were going to be able to uh, properly handle the, the blessing and the promise that they had been hearing about for so long from their ancestors, and it was and the story was told down from generation to generation, then they, they had to be of a certain caliber to be able to actually have something handed over to them, and it benefit them. I think we've all just throughout life, you ain't got to look very far, especially if you watch TV, where somebody has handed something to them that they they weren't ready for. And because they weren't ready for it, they actually end up bringing more destruction into their life when, in fact, had they been properly trained and had they gotten what they needed to get together, uh, gotten themselves together, so to speak, uh, for that, then what was handed over to them could have actually been a blessing to them and been a blessing for them. And God doesn't want us to be in that kind of space concerning his uh, concerning his blessing and uh last time I checked he's not wasteful concerning what it is that he pours out so he will go <laughs> to to the end to make sure uh that I have been uh properly uh examined to to uh be able to properly steward and handle what it is that he wants to set within my life so we're we're going uh in that vein again today but there's just a little bit of a of a different angle that that we're going to take uh, with that. So it's just more of that of that same conversation. But but there's one uh, particular passage that that once we once we get to it, like when the, as I was studying that out and the revelation that I that I received from it, it, it just it really blessed my soul. And it's a it's a text that's that's not that famous. We're starting in Mark chapter ten, uh, first off, so you can uh, turn there. Starting in Mark chapter 10, but where I'm talking about is Matthew chapter 20. That's where we're going to end up. So starting in Mark chapter 10, but then we'll also be in Matthew chapter 20. So Mark chapter 10, starting at verse, uh, starting at verse 17. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 17, and we'll read down to uh, verse 31. Mark chapter 10, 17 to 31. Father, 
We thank you for this time that you've given to us to be able to uh, dive in to your word. Thank you, Father, that your word has the final say. Your word is, is intelligence and it is life. If I want to be wise in the things of God, then I need to know what it is that you've spoken. And I need to know uh, why you spoke it, uh, what was on your mind when you spoke it. And Holy Spirit, we, we are making space uh, for you to come and teach and instruct us and to challenge us and to inspire us by what it is that you are speaking. Uh, I feel the preaching power on this, but I'm asking, Lord, to be used uh, to help communicate it in the way that it was uh, given to me. And I thank you, Father, uh, for that grace. Thank you, Father, for the strength that is about to be added to all of us because we want to be a people that are fit to be able to handle and carry the weight of the blessing that you're wanting to release upon our life. It's something that we itch and that we burn for and that we desire, but we know that there are things and keys and principles that have to be put in place so that we can properly steward what has been heaven sent. Thank you for the strength that is about to be added to everyone, including the one holding the microphone in the name of Jesus. If I got some agreement, shout amen, type amen, do whatever it is that you need to do. Amen. Amen. Mark 10. Uh, 17 to, to 31, read through all of it, then we'll hit uh, some, of, some of the scriptures. So uh, this, is, uh, this is the rich young ruler uh, who's coming to Jesus and asking him what does he need to do to inherit eternal life. Now, Mark 10 and Matthew 19 are pretty much the, the, uh, the same thing. They give, they give the same account, but uh, we're using Mark's account because it's something particular that we need to pull out of it. As Jesus started on his way, a man came running up to him. Kneeling down in front of him, he cried out, Good teacher, what one thing am I required to do to gain eternal life? Jesus responded, Why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. Verse 19, You already know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give a false testimony, do not cheat and honor your father and your mother. The man said to Jesus, teacher, I have carefully uh, obeyed these laws since my youth. 21, Jesus fixed his gaze upon the man and with tender love, with tender love and said to him, yet there is still one thing in you lacking. Go. Sell all that you have, give the money to the poor, then all of your treasure will be in heaven. After you've done this, come back and walk with me. 22, completely shocked <laughs> by Jesus' answer. He turned and walked away very sad. I think uh, Matthew's translation might even say angry. He, he was angry. He turned away and walked away very sad or angry, for he was extremely rich. 23, Jesus looked at the faces of his disciples and said, how hard it is for the wealthy to enter into God's kingdom realm. I can't wait to bust that sacred cow that is alive with that verse, but I digress. Let's keep going. 24, the disciples were startled when they heard this. But Jesus again said to them, children, it is next to impossible for those who trust in their riches to find their way into God's kingdom realm. It is easier to stuff a rope through the eye of a needle than for a wealthy person to enter into God's kingdom realm. 26, but this left them all the more astonished and they whispered to one another, then who could ever be saved? 
Jesus looked at them and replied, with people it is impossible, but not with God. God makes all things possible. Then Peter spoke up and said, can't you see that we've left everything we had to cling to you? 29, listen to my words, Jesus said, anyone who leaves his home behind and chooses me over children, parents, family, and possessions all for the sake of the gospel, it will come back to him a hundred times as much in this lifetime. Homes, family, mother, brother, sister, children, possessions, along with persecutions. And in the age to come, he will inherit eternal life. But many who are considered to be the most important now will be the least important then. And many who are viewed as the least important now will be considered the most important then. Will be considered the most important then. Let's uh, go walk, walk through this for, for a little bit. So you've got, you've got this, this, this rich guy. He has come. To Jesus, he's looking, ask, asking a legitimate question as far as uh, what it is that he needs to do to, to inherit eternal life. Jesus gives the instruction to him of the, diff- of the different things that he needs to do. And he start, starts off in, uh, in, verse, in verse 18. We can uh, make our way back to that. In verse 18, it says that Jesus responded, why, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. You already know the commandments. So he so he gives them the 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 initial commandments which all all of Israel was very familiar with. They grew up with it. This this is this is our code as a people. This is our code as our culture. These are the things that we do. So you already know those things. He said don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't do all of those things. But he he responds with the fact of I've been doing all this since I was a kid, right? I've been doing all this since I was a kid, but I want to tie this into something that that we had uh, last week. Remember that God led the children of Israel through uh, the wilderness, said that he allowed them to get hungry so that he could humble them and to test them so that they would know that man does not live by bread alone. Remember that? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So essentially what what this rich young ruler is saying in saying that he has been keeping all of this since he since he was a child is him coming. Jesus is trying to get him to come to the conclusion that he has only up until this point fed off of bread. All of your life, all you've been doing is fe- is feeding off off of the bread or the or external satisfactions because the these these commandments that that uh, that were given by uh, by the Lord or by God to Moses, which he pins on the tablets. These were these were things that did not really uh, get to the heart of the matter. It was just almost this, this stabilizer for them as a people to get them moving in a direction of what it is to follow God. 
Okay, it's, it's just getting them to move in a direction as far as a, from an elementary perspective as to this is how you need to relate to one another. This is something this is what you don't do with your neighbor. This is what you don't do with their possessions and, and all of those things. And so Jesus is trying to get him to recognize that, OK, you you may have had this going for you, but there's another level that we've got to get ready to to tap into. So up until this point, all you done really is fed from the bread of the law but there's something more there's something more proceeding that I'm actually about to give you and based off based off of his response to the based off of his response to the do not murder do not commit adultery do not steal thing we knew that he's coming uh, and approaching this moment with, uh, with a strong sense of arrogance in the sense of like there's nothing that you're going to tell me that that I won't that I won't be able to handle, that I won't be able to do. And we know that more than likely, we can't look at this scripture, but more than likely he got to this point about what Jesus is saying to him in eternal life because of the great possessions that he had, that not only he had, but also had him. First point of us being able to handle the blessing that God wants to release and the blessing that God wants to uh, bring into our life is that we have to make sure that there is a line of divide and a line of separation that has been built between me having them and them having me. Too often, too often, we can get, we can get terribly caught up in the crux and in the mix of, of possession and desire and whatever it is that I'm going after consuming me. In fact, in society, that is touted as a good thing. That is looked at as a good thing to be consumed by whatever it is that you are going after. However, we have to remember for us, we are pursuing the expansion of the kingdom. And in pursuing the expansion of the kingdom, the kingdom has a method as to how dreams are achieved. And dreams in the kingdom are not achieved by being consumed by the dream. Dreams in the kingdom are, are pursued and are achieved by me being consumed by the one that gave me the dream. But there's a mix-up within that with the rich young ruler. So the initial, the initial instruction by Jesus to him was to show the ruler that he had built his life on bread or only. But we know man, man shall not live by bread alone, but he lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So he gives him, he gives him this instruction here. The man says to Jesus, teacher, I've carefully obeyed these laws since my youth. So he's saying, um, so in his mind, rich young ruler, I'm good. I've kept all this. I'm, I'm headed in the right direction as far as eternal life being given to me. Now, 21, Jesus fixed his gaze upon the man and with, with tender love and then says something to him. Jesus fixed his gaze upon the man saying what? That there are times that no matter what I say to the Lord, and I'm, I'm glad he has this ability about himself. He can look right through everything I'm saying with tender love, never with judgment. With tender love, he will look through whatever it is that I am saying and get right to the heart of the matter as to what is really going on and what is really holding me back. 
It's amazing. It's amazing how the Lord has, has that, that, that particular ability about himself to be able to look straight through all the fluff, look straight through all my pain, look straight through all my mistakes, look straight through all my bad decisions, look through it. Whatever it is that needs to be looked through, he will look right through it and get right to the heart of the matter. See, I'm still caught up in the sense of like, I need the healing. I need the financial breakthrough. I need this. And all of that is legitimate need. However, what if there's something that's still a little further down that I need to look past to get at the heart of the matter? You and I both know what it is for God to look right past the need that we feel we legitimately have. And he starts addressing something else. I need, to, I need to talk to you about this unforgiveness that you still got about this person. I need to talk to you about how your stomach churns every time you drive by this company because they laid you off. I, I need to address that anger that rises in you when this particular person's name shows up on your phone. Hey, it's quiet in here, just to let you know. Probably quiet at your house, too. Because the truth of the matter is, God will look right past what I feel like is the legitimate need of the moment. But he does so with tender love and that gaze. And he says, there's still one thing. <laughs> there's still one thing that you lack. There's, there's one thing we got to talk about. Okay, you, you got the law. Okay, you've been going to church. Okay, you've been reading your Bible. Okay, you've been praying. There's still one thing. There's one thing that we lack. There's one thing that we need to talk about. So he fixed his gaze upon the man, and with tender love, he says to him, Jesus, in the way that only he can, addresses the real issue of the heart with this next command that he gives, which, which also is going to answer his question, answer the original question of what must I do to, to inherit this eternal life? So he fixes his gaze upon him, says to him, there's still one thing that you lack. Go sell all that you have. Give the money to the poor. Now all of your treasure will be in heaven. After you've done this, come back and follow me. Now, Let's address some things. Number one, this is not Jesus being anti-money. This is not Jesus being anti-rich people. This is not Jesus being anti-you uh, you having a great amount of possession. That is not what is happening here. What is happening here is Jesus is showing us the reality that all, listen to this, all kingdom issues all kingdom issues, anything that the kingdom addresses, it is going to address the heart of a believer. All kingdom issues are heart issues. And all heart issues are issues of lordship. What Jesus was doing with this man was giving him a flashing warning sign that the seat of lordship in your heart has been taken over by something else besides me. That's what he's doing here. 
You still lack one thing. If, if you really want to have eternal life, I think Matthew's account says, if, if you want to be perfect, then I need you to take on this action because in so doing, you're going to dethrone mammon because that was his God. But remember in the scriptures, you can't serve both. You can't serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and possession. You can't serve God and your desire. So Jesus, with this instruction to this man, is giving him an opportunity for that to be taken off of the throne of his heart so that there's space for the Lord to sit there. And in our pursuit of desire, in our pursuit of that which God has placed within us as the dream, as the desire, the, 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 bless, the blessing that we know that is to rest on our life. While a part of the humble pie, a part of the genetic makeup of the humble pie will be these kind of instructions that go straight to what is in the throne of my heart. Who sits on the throne of my heart? Who, who gets the last say-so when it comes to the throne of my heart? My version of my dream or his word? These are tough questions, tough conversations, I know. But, the, but these are the things that, that, that are going to, to uh, be able to happen. All kingdom issues, all heart issues, all heart issues, or lordship issues. Hence why Psalm 26 verse 2, David said, Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and my heart. Try my mind and my heart. Try everything that's within. Why? So that I can make sure that what, what is seated within, because remember, the heart is, is command central for my decisions and command central as far as me picking up the frequency from my spirit man to my soul. Spirit man is receiving all things from God, is communicated to my soul, is acted out within my body. But if, there is a, if there's a breakup within that uh, connection, then I'm not getting out what I need to get out. And a part of that is making sure that the lordship issue is settled within my heart. So rich young ruler, we need the lordship issue settled. You've got great possessions, but the problem is great possessions have possessed you. And as we are moving and breaking through and breaking forth, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have to make sure that as we are in pursuit of this, that whatever it is that God has given me resource-wise and whatever dreams and visions that have been placed within me for the purpose of creating more resource, creating more blessing for others, that I don't get overly consumed by that to where it wraps me up in itself and I'm no longer having the throne of my heart be to whom it belongs to that's the issue that the brother the the rich young ruler is having so that's why he's given the command sell all you got and give your money to the poor because that's going to determine where your heart really is also too there are other rich people that Jesus encountered that he did not give this kind of command to Zacchaeus I think it's Luke 19 somewhere along up in there but Zacchaeus who climbs the tree to see him, tax collector. Now, watch this. Zacchaeus built his wealth off of stealing. We, we don't know that the rich young really did that. Zacchaeus was a, a, a dirty tax collector who was padding numbers, stealing from people, built his own personal empire off of that, and Jesus doesn't give him the command to give everything away. Why? Because the issue is lordship. 
Zacchaeus had such an encounter that he said, what? I'm going to give back four times as much as I stole, and I'm going to restore everything I've ever taken from anybody. I'm going to restore it, give half of what I got to the poor. What happened? There was an encounter to where the lordship issue had been rearranged with him without Jesus having to give that command. Here this rich young ruler is saying, I've kept all of this stuff, and I'm self-righteously approaching you. And so in so doing, what do I have to do so that I can meet the next thing, check off the next box, and, and move? move up the next tier and Jesus uh, 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 highlights to him that a part of what what you are missing is the fact that you have been consumed and possessed by this and I need you to release that sell it all sell it all but we know that 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 command what it was that he was told to do completely shocked by Jesus answer why turned away walked away very sad Walked away very angry, for he was extremely rich. And I also, too, I want to highlight the fact, before we move into, move into the next set of scriptures, highlight the fact of his version. Help me say this right, Holy Spirit. His version of justice and fairness had been challenged. And that was a part of the shocking that came to him. Because it, it's a, it is amazing how we, we so want the Lord sometimes to co-sign on our thought process and our version of what he should do in our situation. I, I want the co-signature of heaven on my suggestion and my uh, recommendation as to how this should be handled. This is what's happening in my life, Lord. This is, this is what's going on. This is what I really want you to do because this, this could really resolve it. And that could have like strong facts connected to it. Yet within the kingdom, I don't get to say so as to how the Lord will walk out his plan. Proverbs is full of this. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but what? It is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So man can have a myriad of plans. You and I have a myriad of plans as far as how life should go, but there's one string that's constant that's going to be flowing within our life, and that is the plan and purpose of God, hence why it does me well through worship, through prayer, through my connection with fellow brothers and sisters and believers that I, that I uh, uh, ask God in those times, in those spaces, that my heart would get in a line with what it is that he is doing that my heart would get in a line with his plan and his purpose because I don't want my plan and my version to be going in conflict because then I'm going to build up unnecessary frustration in me because it's not going the way that I thought but it wouldn't it wouldn't be like that if I would just get in a line with what it is that he's doing the timeline that he's on the time frame that he's on it keeps me cohesive with what it is that he has already set and is guaranteed guaranteed to be the plan that that flows out that felt like a felt like a ramble but I hope I hope that was good to you let me get back to where I was rich young ruler had mammon as his God and selling out would have caused him to see where his heart really was the fact that he couldn't serve both God and mammon simply put down to this Jesus was trying to get his heart's affections and posture to be properly placed once again 
to be properly placed. But what is this? Verse 22. So he's completely shocked by Jesus' answer. He turned and walked away very sad, for he was extremely rich. 23. Jesus looked at the faces of his disciples and he said, How hard it is for the wealthy to enter into God's kingdom realm. It's not rich people can't go to heaven. It's not what he's saying. Children, it is next to impossible for those who trust. Right here, this is the issue. Remember, kingdom issues, heart issues. Heart issues, lordship issues. That is important. Let's write this down. Kingdom. The kingdom is always about connected to concern with the heart of an individual. Remember, Luke 17, the kingdom is not something that you say, it's here, it's there, it's down the street. It is something that is within us. It is within the heart of a believer. It's within the Spirit of God resides within us. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit. So it's always about the heart. But heart issues always lead to who is Lord. Lordship issue. With the, with the blessing that, that we are talking about in this conversation around, God has something to release. God has something that he's looking to break forth within our life more so than we want it. As much as we might be able to say that we want it, it compares nothing to the plan that was set before the foundations of the world that kingdom believers would walk out and live to such an abundance that it has an attraction factor to it from those who don't serve the same God and don't flow in the same vein. They would look and glorify God. They would look at your life. They would look at your dealings. They would look at what's happening in your life life they would look at the breakthrough they would look at the increase they would look at your kids and be able to get a signal and a sign that there's something different about them than about me there's something that that's what God is wanting to release but he has to make sure that no matter how much is being released that the place and the throne of the heart is still given over to him being Lord Kingdom issues, heart issues, heart issues are lordship issues. And it is about where that trust is being placed. Children, it is next to impossible for those who trust in their riches to find their way into God's kingdom realm. That is the issue. How much is too much? Whatever replaces trust. That's how much is too much. It's, 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 never, it's never an amount with God. It's always how, however much replaces trust. For some people, they get $1,000 in the bank and they stop praying. That's too much for them. For somebody else, it's $100 million. For somebody else, it's a billion. We don't know what the figure is. The point is, whatever it is that's going to replace trust is too much for you. That's too much. You get C-suite type influence and, and you lose your mind and you abandon, you abandon your principles. That's too much for you. That's too much. And God is not going to allow too much to be released and handed over to me if it is going to push me into abandonment of what it is that he has taught me. And there's something that he keeps alive within us that we're about to keep as we keep going, that persecution piece. Can't wait till we get to it. That's what he keeps alive within us. And that's what he keeps, uh, keeps in our life to keep us balanced from that happening. Let's, let's keep, going, keep going with that. But let me finish with this before we get with that so it's hard for the wealthy who place their trust in their riches to enter into the kingdom we already talked about the fact that he did not give that same uh same command to other rich people so you got Lazarus you got uh Mary Mar you got Mary Martha and Lazarus 
their, their family, he didn't, he didn't give that same command to them either. Why? Because they didn't, ha- they didn't have the same, the same lordship issue. There was a different issue that was, ha- that was happening with them that he, that he addressed with Mary and with Martha. He, he didn't address that same thing with Zacchaeus because, remember, it is about the place of where your heart lies in, in the midst of this blessing. So, Verse 25, let's keep going. It's easier to stuff a rope or, or for, uh, to put a camel through, through the eye of a needle. It says rope right here because uh, the, the original language for the word for camel and the word for rope are actually uh, synonymous. It's actually the same word in, in the original language. So it's easier to stuff a rope through the eye of a needle than for a wealthy person to enter into God's kingdom realm. This left them all the more astonished. So then they whispered to one another, how could one be saved? Jesus says to them that uh, it's, it's impossible with people, but with God, all things are possible. Then Peter pipes up, says that we've left everything to follow you. Here we go, right here, 29. Listen to my words. Anyone, anyone who leaves his home behind and chooses me, Chooses me, there it is again, lordship, chooses me over children, parents, family, and possessions, all for the sake of the gospel. That is not abandonment. So you don't, you don't abandon family, you don't abandon children. It is priority. It is priority and where it is that I find my sense of identity within my life. It will all come back to him a hundred times as much in this lifetime, in this lifetime. Homes, family, mothers, brothers, sisters, children, possessions. He, he gives a, div, a divine promise and divine right to expect the fact that anything that I have left behind, anything that I have sacrificed, anything that has been lost, I have a scriptural right to expect to come back in my life a hundred times what was given up. A hundred times. But... Not alone. A hundred times. So homes, family, mother, brother, sister, children, possessions. Here we go. Along with persecution. Along with persecution. And in the age to come, he will inherit eternal life. So in an attempt to keep lordship where it needs to stay, he gives us a hundred times whatever it is that we have left but with the tag of persecution the humility that persecution brings keeps the heart posture in trust to say that he is the one that truly satisfies and anything that I have gotten homes family mother brother sister children possession anything that I've got that in itself does not satisfy That in itself cannot sustain because what has gotten my journey started is that my heart has been lit ablaze by this man. I have come alive because he has embraced and I have encountered his love. That's what's made me alive. So in that pursuit of being made alive by him, I leave certain things behind in that chase and in that pursuit. But he told me that that's not something that's lost. I'm going to get back a hundred times as much with that. But this time, I'm going to also have persecution tagged along with it. This is how I heard it explained. This was, this was brilliant. Helped me understand it very good. It's, it's like income and taxes. More income, more taxes. More breakthrough more persecution. They keep, they keep in tandem with each other. 
They keep in tandem with each other so that there's not something that's massively off balance. Because we as, we as a people, we cannot handle God just handing over blessing after blessing after breakthrough after breakthrough. My heart could not handle something like that because after a while, I would start to get caught up within my own way and think that it's something about me and something that I'm doing right and something that I'm doing within my lifestyle that's causing this to happen with me. If you remember from last week, we talked about that with the children of Israel. Remember, he said that if you don't remember and keep these commands, you're going to get to a point to where your silver and your gold is multiplying, your flocks are multiplying, you living in houses you didn't even build, you drinking from vineyards that you didn't plant, and you're going to say that I got this by my own hand. I got this by my own hand. And so in an attempt to keep that at bay, to make sure that I'm properly set to be able to handle the blessing, he brings forth both the 100 times. You got it. It's coming. But it's also got to have the tag of persecution. I've got to have it. I've got to give it to you. So Paul, you, you can come up into the third heaven and see things that, that is unlawful to, to utter. But I also, I, I have to, in, in my love for you, I have to give this messenger of Satan to put pressure on you. To put pressure on you, to keep you in the place of humility that you understand that what I have, where I am, the breakthrough that's happening in my life, I didn't do that. I didn't do that because I'm that good. I didn't do that because, because I asked the right question or said the right thing. What happened was it was the unmerited grace of God that has caused that to break forth within my life. If you're looking at me trying to ask what magic pill did I take or what it was that was done, it was nothing like that. It was the unmerited grace and favor of God and that is what has brought you to this point that's what's going to keep you moving forward that's what's going to bring the 100 times and that's what's going to sustain me in the moments of persecution and it's inescapable so don't try and look for it in the scriptures you're not going to find it if you want to be one to cry out God give me breakthrough God give me blessing God give me this God use me God expand my life God expand my borders those are all legitimate prayers but I need you to understand that there's something else that's coming with it you're not finna sit in the hammock and just swing your life away and eat grapes forever. that's not how it works in the kingdom I'm gonna give you the hundred times but I have to tag you with the persecution as well. I've got to tag you with the persecution as well because I, I, I've, I've got to be able to have seasons, moments, situations, times that I come into your life and I push your buttons intentionally to find out what is in you and where is the seat of your heart well, well, well rather who or what is sitting on the seat of your heart. If I mess with that, does that knock you off? If I say, hand me that plan, I'm changing it. Don't get mad. I'm just, I'm just talking scripture. I'm, I'm in the book, ain't I? Okay. You, need, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm one that always tries to stay in the book. And I'm trying to make sure that, that we are extracting from the scriptures the realities of what it is that we are asking for. 
It's, it's, it's not illegal to ask for the hundred times. You have, a, you have a scriptural right to expect breakthrough to come into your life. But I'm telling you, it's not coming alone. It's not coming alone. And, and too often, too many of us have abandoned the 100 times because we didn't want the persecution. Or rather, somebody might not have told us that persecution was going to come along with it. But I'm trying to be a preacher to tell you I'm sorry that others might not have told you. But the reality is the 100 times is certainly yours, but it's not coming by itself. It's not coming by itself. It's coming along with persecution for the purpose of making sure that the throne of your heart never changes. And stuff doesn't make me change that. Stuff comes and goes, but the Lord whoop, is forever. His word and what it is he has spoken and how he has changed me and how he makes me look at life now. I can never be the same. And that's the reality that as you keep that in kilter, there's nothing he won't let you have. Nothing. We saw that with Solomon. Go, on, uh, go and read it. I, I'm, I'm, lo I'm losing where it's at in my mind, but just, just Google it. I would have told you, but it just, it just slipped me where it was. But it's the prayer that he prayed to God. What God came to him in a dream and said, ask me whatever you want. What do you want? And he goes through a series of talking about the fact that, well, God, you, you, you had my father on the throne. You gave him a word that he'd always have a son on the throne, which we know was, was prophetic utterance of the coming Messiah because Jesus comes through the lineage of David. But he was saying that David was on the throne. Now you've given me the throne. And this, this is a great task of leading your people, God. So what I need from you is a heart, a heart of wisdom. As to how to how to properly do what it is that, that you want me to do. So to, so to basically, so I don't screw this up. I don't want to mess this up. God was so pleased by what it was that he asked. He said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to make you the wisest man that ever lived. But on top of that, because I see that lordship is settled with you. There's nothing I won't let you have. I'm, gonna, I'm not only going to make you the wisest king, I'm going to make you the richest one. You realize in Solomon's day. So not, not only was it Solomon, it was, it was the entire land of Israel. Israel walked in such blessing that, they, that, that the Bible says that silver piled up on the streets. It got so abundant that they didn't think to count it anymore. What, what was once of great importance to them in one season, they stopped counting in another. It's piling up like dirt. It's piling up. But we all know where it ended up going. He started that way, but it was not sustained to where he gets a thousand wives and concubines. They lead his heart away. His children split the kingdom. Showing what? This is always the issue. Kingdom issue, heart issue, heart issue, lordship issue. All the persecution that comes to you in, in coming with the 100 times and bringing the 100 times is only there to make sure that your heart remains where it needs to so that this blessing doesn't destroy you. So that this blessing doesn't destroy you. Y'all looking at me intently. Is this like this soaking in? Okay, okay. Just want to make sure. Y'all not mad at me or something. But uh, all right, so give give me just a uh, just a few more few more minutes, about about twenty about twenty one minutes with this. We're gonna go to uh, Matthew twenty. 
Matthew chapter 21. So, so like I said uh, in the beginning, Mark chapter 10 and uh, Matthew 19 are, are like the same chapter. So Matthew 20, this is just the, this is the flow of the same conversation. So this is the same conversation. It hasn't ended. Jesus is just moving to his next thought in the same topic. So this is uh, Matthew 20 looking at 1 through 16. It says, this will help you understand the way heaven's kingdom operates okay so so we've talked about the the heart posture we saw that the the rich young ruler asking a good question but had the seat of his heart locked down and was not willing to have it vacated by what he possessed so he's angry he walks away he can't do what Jesus asked him to do Jesus says all right let, let's let's give another give another uh, example of, of what we're talking about when it comes to wealth and resource as far as the kingdom's concerned. There once was a wealthy landowner who went out at daybreak to hire all the laborers he could find to work in his vineyard. After agreeing to pay them the standard day's wage, he puts them to work. All right, so we got a vineyard owner. He's finding some people to work for him. Then at 9 o'clock, as he was passing through the town square, he found others. Standing around without work. He told them, come and work for me in my vineyard and I'll pay you a fair wage. So off they went to join the others. He did the same at noon and again at 3 o'clock, making the same arrangement as he did with the others. Okay, so that, that's key. So the, so the guys that he found at, at early in the morning made an agreement with them and makes the same, now, the same agreement with each set of guys as the day continues on, making the same arrangement as he did with the others. Verse 6, hoping to finish his harvest that day, he went to the town square again at 5 o'clock, found more who were idle. He said to them, why have you been here all day without work? Because nobody hired us, they answered. So he said to them, then go and join my crew and work in my vineyard. By the way, they got the same agreement. Keep going. Verse 8, when evening came, the owner of the vineyard went to his foreman, and said, call all the laborers, line them up, and pay them the same wages. Starting with the most recent ones I hired and finishing with the ones who worked all day. When those hired late in the day came to be paid, they were given a full day's wage. Verse 10. And when those who had been hired first came to be paid, they were convinced that they would receive more. But everyone was paid the standard wage. When they realized what had happened, they were offended and complained to the landowner, saying, you're treating us unfairly. They only worked for one hour while we slaved and sweated all day under the scorching sun. You've made them equal to us. 13, the landowner replied, friends, I'm not being unfair. I'm doing exactly what I said. Didn't you agree to work for the standard wage? 14. If I want to give those who only work for an hour equal pay, what does that matter to you? 15. Don't I have the right to do what I want with what is mine? Why should my generosity make you jealous of them? Or that part of the verses, what uh, most of the translations say, is, is your eye evil because I am good? Okay, is your or is your eye evil because I am good? Now you understand what I mean when I said uh, that the first will end up last and the last will end up being first. Everyone is in, is invited, but few are chosen. But few are chosen. 
couple couple things here. I'm gonna just let it um let it rest. Uh oh. Whoops. It is not God bless yet. Okay. I just I clicked the wrong button. Faith, can you put it on uh, verse 10, please? Matthew 20, verse 10. Because I gotta I gotta unpack this a little bit. So so this parable exists to show us how the kingdom operates. Okay. Because remember, at, at first he was like, let let me give you another example of how the kingdom operates. That that is key to all of us, especially within our context, who don't come from a kingdom background. Anytime I'm being talked to about how a kingdom operates and I come from a different governmental structure, it's going to be difficult for me to be able to piece together exactly how this thing works because we've been grafted into a kingdom, but I still got democratic residue within me that I try and filter what he's saying through that because that's exactly what happened to them who got hired at first. That's what happened to me when I read it. That's what happened to me when I read it. So I totally understand where they're coming from with that, but we got to understand that we, we are contending for a kingdom, not democratic blessing. We're contending for kingdom blessing. And if we have a kingdom blessing being given to us by a sovereign king, then I need to know how blessing works and how it, how it flows within his kingdom. And he's, and he's saying that to give them the warning that, okay, this is about to push your buttons as far as what you think is just, what you think is fair, what you think is right, what you think is the order of the day and how this thing should flow. I'm about to push the buttons on that. And in him pushing the buttons on that, that's going to happen to me within my life. And that's a part of that persecuting factor of the 100 fold that's coming to you because he's got to be able to push the buttons on what you think is just and right and fair. And if you will allow this to be changed because he's pushing your buttons right now. <laughs> All of this is, is the process of being a carrier of glory in the kingdom. And you thought it was just shouting at church. You thought it was a two-step thing. You thought it was attending Bible study. All of that fits into context. But if that's all you're leaning on, you cannot be a carrier of glory. Because being a carrier of glory, remember last week, it is weighty. And in me being able to carry a great amount of weight, there has to be some kind of persecuting pressure that is attached to my life. That, by the way, is not enjoyable. So I'm not standing up here saying that it's enjoyable. I'm not standing up here saying that it's easy. I'm not even standing up here saying necessarily that I'm looking forward to it. Although James tells me that whenever there's trial or persecution, things that come into my life, I ought to 